Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia, and this is Ask the Experts. And thank you so much for joining me. We are coming off of, of course, the heavyweight title, the heavyweight championship of the world. Three belts. Of course, we know one part of that one slice belongs to Tyson Fury, but the other three belts changing hands. Anthony Joshua defeated by Alexander Usyk. Usyk, of course, coming up from cruiserweight. He was undisputed there, and we knew that he was going to be tough, and that certainly was the case. Usyk came out early. He was closing the distance as the smaller man, and I think in that 12th round, when you thought maybe Usyk would get tired, he didn't. He turned it on and had one of his best rounds and is now one of the heavyweight champions of the world. And we are going to break down this big win, and I have two people who had some of the best seats in the house, and that is the official the zone commentators that is todd grisham and roy jones for a long time i've said roy jones sees things in the ring that no one else can see and he certainly was pointing out a lot of really interesting information one thing i noticed early that roy was saying was that Usyk was fainting and those feints were setting up the straight left hand for him and he was having success with that straight left hand and that actually did come true uh Usyk landed that straight left and seemed to hurt joshua at points and then his broadcast partner, of course, Todd Grisham, calling the fight a great call uh, all around. And so we're going to talk to them about the atmosphere, about the fight itself, and what's next for both Joshua and Usyk. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Roy Jones Jr. I am Karen Bhatia speaking with the great Roy Jones Jr. Roy, how are you doing, man? Doing good, Karen. How are you doing? Doing great. Got to see you in action, calling big fights, just like old times. And uh, I know you had one of the best seats in the house for the heavyweight title, changing hands. So I want to talk to you about the fight, the event. What, what was it like being over there? What, what, what was the atmosphere like? Uh, the atmosphere was electric. You know, there's no better atmosphere than this London, uh, this English, uh, British British arena, right? These British arenas, right now. These British arenas are British arenas are really producing the biggest fights. You know what I mean? The biggest fight crowd, six to seven thousand people. The atmosphere is just electric, and you just can't get any better than that. Absolutely, it, it seemed like an an absolutely epic uh, event all around. So, before we talk about the fight, um, you you've seen both of these fighters. You've done extensive research. Um, what did you think was going to happen that night uh, between Joshua and Usyk? Exactly what happened. Yep. And the reason being, the reason being, that people understand that Usyk wiped out a division that had fighters in it that were even better punchers than 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 uh, Anthony Joshua. Marat Geisev is one of the hardest punching fighters in boxing today. Pound for pound, couldn't put a glove on Usyk. Um, Derek Chisora is a very hard puncher, heavyweight. Put a glove on Usyk when he couldn't hurt him. And Joshua had the skills to hurt him, but he had to go out and do it early. If he let Usyk get comfortable, Usyk has too much experience for him. So somebody asked me, is the fight going to go the distance? I said, yes. He said, well, um, what do you think? How do you see the fight? I said, well, if it go past five rounds, Joshua got all kinds of issues. Well, if I tell you if it's going to go the distance, then I tell you if it go past five rounds, he had issues. What did that take? 
It's going the distance. If it go past five, he got this. He got problems. So you know he finna have problems. So of course I knew it was going to and with with Usyk's story, I mean, of course, he he dominated at cruiserweight. He was moving up uh, to heavyweight. Now campaigning as a heavyweight. I'm I'm just wondering, do you see any um, of of yourself in Usyk in terms of moving up in weight? Obviously, you went from light heavy to heavyweight and and had success there. Um, did did you see any similarities there? Well, just the fact that he refused to be beat that night when he came in there, he came in with the concept in his mind, same concept I had. I know I'm supposed to be the smaller guy, but I'm not losing tonight. I'm here to take over. He came out, he pissed on trees right away. When you come out and piss on trees right away, you mean business. A dog coming in your yard and piss on trees, you mean business. <laughs> and one thing I tweeted is getting to to work alongside you. I've I've heard your your commentary, your thoughts for so long, and, and I've always said this to anyone who will listen that Roy Jones can see things in the ring. That, that no one else can see. And usually when, when Roy, when you point something out uh, that's going to happen in the later rounds, it usually does happen. And one point that you made early on in the broadcast is that you said Usyk was closing the distance, but the biggest thing were his feints and his feints were allowing the opening for the left hand. And that left hand was going to hurt Joshua, which it did. Um, you noticed that early, right? You could see that developing. First round. And, and with, with that happening, um, did that tell you right away that, that Usyk was going to have success that night? Yes. You can't let this little guy come in the first round and dominate. He dominated the first, not just the first round, he dominated the first three rounds. And, and one thing that was interesting about this fight, you would think that Joshua as the bigger guy would kind of be pushing the, the pace a little bit, but Usyk was closing the distance. Usyk was in, was inside. Um, so it was just an interesting battle of geography. And, and one thing I noticed was that the ref didn't have to come in to break these guys up or anything like that. These guys were fighting in the middle of the ring. So what, what do you think that said about Joshua in terms of using his size or length? It didn't seem like he was able to be effective in doing that. Because he didn't understand that that's what he needed to do. Joshua's a guy, Joshua's a very nice guy. That's why I like him so much. Joshua's a very likable guy. He's a very nice guy. He's the kind of guy that, you know, just he's just a likable guy. He's just a really cool, down-to-earth, easy-going guy. And you got to be, I mean, it's cool to be that way, but sometimes when you're in a boxing ring, you got to change. You got to put on a different hat. Clark Kent got to go. Superman got to show up. And Clark Kent stayed there too long. Superman should have showed up from round one. But Clark Kent showed up the first three rounds. Superman put the cape on around three after round three. That was a little too late. And, and Joshua did have some comeback rounds, round four and of others. Um, he course. landed the right hand, sometimes straight. I thought he was actually having success with the looping right hand, kind of going around. Um, wh what would you have liked to see more of Joshua do? How, how could he have been more uh, of Superman? Was it just getting started earlier, or is there more he could do overall? Clark Kent should have never showed up. Superman should have showed up for round one. He got Clark Kent coming out of the first three rounds, and Usyk got used to Clark Kent. And when he changed Superman, Usyk wasn't afraid no more because Usyk had dealt with Clark Kent all night. He was like, oh, this is easy. Clark Kent is not, not a real problem. And Clark Kent ain't, but Superman is. So you got to let him see Superman right away, not Clark Kent, because he's coming up to a, a new weight class. He took over one weight class. Now he's here to take over another one. You can't let him just have his way to take over. You got to introduce him to what Superman deal with, what Superman stand for. 
And, and the biggest thing I think was, or one of the biggest things was Usyk had the intensity, especially early in the fight. But the question was, was he going to be able to keep up the pace? He was able to keep up the pace. And the, the 12th round was really interesting. Usyk basically dominated the 12th round, hurting Joshua early. He had him on the ropes late. Um, what, what do you think about Joshua in that, in that 12th round? Were you expecting to see more from, from uh, someone who's trying to defend their belts there? No, because like in the first round, Clark Kent showed up. In the beginning of the 12th round, Clark Kent showed up again. So you knew Clark Kent was there too much. We need to see all Superman, no Clark Kent. Instead, we saw Clark Kent, we saw Superman, and we ended back at Clark Kent. Can't do that. And so with, with the fight going the way it did, of course, Usyk the, winning the uh, three belts here, now becoming a, a heavyweight champion. Um, Joshua has said he's going to exercise the immediate rematch clause. Do you think that Anthony Joshua should take the immediate rematch? Yes. And if you were advising Anthony Joshua, what would you recommend that he do differently uh, in this rematch? We'll find Red Jones. Anthony Joshua, if you're listening, you need to go find Roy Jones to get some tips here. <laughs> um, so in terms of the other side of the coin, Usyk, now he's now no longer the, the hunter. Uh, he's going to be the hunted. And we saw what happened to Andy Ruiz when he became heavyweight champion, right? He didn't, he didn't train as seriously as he could. Wait, what do you think Usyk should do? Wait a minute. There's a difference. There's a difference in everything that we're talking about here. One guy is a guy that really nobody expected to make it. That, that surprisingly became heavyweight champ, something he never expected in his whole life. And he finally got it. And he was shocked because though he may have been trying for it, it wasn't never looked upon as a reality. The other guy has been a champion his whole life. He went to the Olympics. He's been a champion his whole life. He has a whole different understanding of what being champion is. He was an Olympic champion. He was cruiserweight champion, undisputed cruiserweight champion. So why would he go get a heavyweight championship now and then lay down? He know what happens when you're going to be champion. You become a target. You're a marked man. He know this. He's been doing this his whole life. And the Reese didn't understand that because that was his first time of becoming champion. So he don't know. But when you've been champ before, you know what that means. That means you're at the top of the hill. You are king of the hill. Now that means now the stuff really starts because now it's going to come from everywhere. You're on top of the hill. When you ain't on top of the hill, you look at the top of the hill. You one of the many that whose eyes are focused on the top of the hill. But when you get to the top of the hill, you are the one that all eyes are focused on. Like Tupac said, all eyes are on me. <laughs> so assuming Anthony Joshua does not call you for advice and him, he trains with the people he's been training with, um, and Usyk, of course, stays hungry. He's just got to go back into the fight and Start from round one. You know what I mean? He can't go out there and let Clark Kent show up. You got to be Superman all night, even if he has a chance. You got to be Superman. The only way he has a chance, he got to be Superman all night. And so so let's say they do go into the rematch. Um, what do you think will, will happen in the rematch? Who do you think would win the rematch? All depends. Like I said, all depends on how Joshua comes. Joshua Joshua is the, the deciding force, uh, force in all of it because he's the bigger man. A good big, big man beats a good little man all day long. But a big man that ain't coming out with the right plan gonna lose to a small little man. He lost to a small little man. And uh, speaking of a good big man uh, and a little man, I know that you've said that you don't necessarily want to see 
the unification fight between Tyson Fury and Usyk because it would be boring, right? Because we have very technical. It's not, it's not, let, me, let me say this. It's not that it's going to be necessarily so boring. It's just that it's a skill contest with two guys who don't possess a lot of power. The heavyweight division does not need that right now. There's too many good heavyweights out there to make good fights, fights that we can't miss on. You understand me? Fights like um, Joyce and uh, 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 Fury, we can't miss on that. With Dylan White and Fury, we can't miss on that. Wild and Fury, we can't miss on that. Um, those same guys with, 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 with Usyk, we can't miss on that. All those guys are great fights with the two boxers. These are the two boxers of the division. The two boxers of the division are also the two lighter punches of the division. Not that they can't punch, because they both got knockouts, and he hurt Joshua the other night, and uh, Fury has stopped uh, Wilder. So they both do have power, but they don't have that explosive Mike Tyson-type uh, knockout power that we used to seeing in a heavyweight. You feel me? Therefore, if they got in the ring together, they both so skillful that it's going to be hard for either one of them to hit the other one. And then when they do hit them, it's probably going to be a, a good shot because they don't throw them too often. You understand me? So it's like, we're going to see a chess match that boxing don't need in the heavyweight division right now. Between, between two of the best thinkers ever in the game. These are two of the best thinkers you're ever going to see. I'm not saying they pound, pound the best, but they're two of the best thinkers you're ever going to see. They just lack the real, true heavyweight punching power. Both of them. Because if Uzi had he knocked Josh out in the first round. Because he hit him with the best shots you can ask to hit a man with in the first round. At the right distance, everything. He had everything perfect on the first two left hands he hit him with. They were perfect. So if you was a real puncher, it would have been a problem right there. He didn't hurt him to the second round. So what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that that's not a good fight. I'm saying it's not a good fight for boxing right now. You feel me? They're good fighters, but there's enough guys around that are real punchers. There's, there's enough puzzles to solve without having to put these two puzzles together right now. Absolutely. And, and you brought up Mike Tyson, and you're obviously very familiar with Mike Tyson. You fought him recently. Uh, he was watching the fight. He tweeted. He said, after watching Joshua and Usyk, maybe they had a bad day that night. Uh, from their performance, do you really think that they could beat me in my prime? Tyson talking about himself. What do you think would happen if Mike Tyson in his prime took on either Joshua or Usyk? Neither one of them would have beat him in his prime. Neither one of them. They don't punch hard enough to keep him off of them. And, and let me ask you this. We know that you campaigned uh, at heavyweight. What do you think would happen, uh, Roy Jones in his prime versus Joshua or Usyk? It ain't my question. Um. Before I let you go, just a couple more questions. Uh, Fury versus Wilder. We're talking about the heavyweight division, of course. They're fighting in their trilogy fight October 9th. Uh, first fight a draw. Second fight, Fury knocked out uh, Wilder. What do you think is going to happen the third time around? It's very hard to say in this fight. This fight is not as easy to call as one last weekend because um, Wilder has the puncher power that can end the fight at any time from round goal to round stop. Therefore, Fury ain't safe, isn't safe until the last bell rings. So who win the boxing match? I think Fury will again. But if he can go without getting damaged, because he got dropped two times in the first fight. Now he didn't get dropped none in the second fight, but that don't mean nothing because now Wilder has a different trainer. He has a different approach. Something's gonna change about him. And we gotta see how Fury makes adjustments, how Fury make how Fury will adjust to the new changes in Wilder. And that's going to be the question, the, the battle of adjustments here. Uh, we, we saw you ringside uh, for this big fight. Are we going to continue to see uh, Roy Jones uh, commentating on these big fights? No, nah, I just wanted to hear in that probably. 
I don't think they like it enough to offer me the right kind of money. It's like right now, I'm a commentator, and because I ain't fighting no more, when I go to commentary commentary table, I gotta go out there like a champ, like I'm damn near fighting. You feel me? Because really, when it come down to it, I make people understand and enjoy boxing probably better than most people that do commentary. I have a mind and IQ that gives you more than you can get from the average guy. So I should be paid like that. They pay people that do their job superbly, they pay them superbly. Like for instance, you see somebody like Jim Lampley, he's the best at what they do. They pay him like he's the best at what they do. So you see Roy Jones, he seems like he's the best at what he does. So somebody should pay him like he's the best at what he does, not the little money they've been giving him. So it's like, I like it, but I'm not gonna do it unless I'm paid and respected like the legend I am and for the knowledge that I give to the public because I give the public hell of knowledge. You understand me? And I got two options. I can either campaign as a commentator or I can campaign as a trainer. But I have a lot of knowledge on both sides of the table. So I have two open tables there. Wherever the most money come from will probably be the best place I go. But I'm still going to train fighters because I do have fighters that I feel like I can make a difference in their lives. Absolutely. I've always said Roy Jones commentating on a fight sees things that no one else can see. Uh, I know that, you know, when there was a long pay-per-view card on the undercards, you'd see fighters in their fight as they're fighting, look over to Roy to kind of get advice because they want to know what he thinks or what he should tell them to do. Um, so you mentioned uh, you, you could be a commentator or a trainer. What about Roy Jones as the fighter? Is there a chance that we could see you in another comeback fight? I never say no because you never know what they might offer you. you know, if somebody offered the right thing, it's going to be hard to turn it down. It's a good offer, you know I mean? It's just, like I said, it's the world of boxing. It's the world we live in, but I'm not really trying to do it again because my knees are so bad. But if the right situation came and I had to go get in shape and do it, I probably would for the right situation, but it had to be the right situation. And your fight with Tyson uh, wasn't scored officially, but unofficially it was a draw. If there was a chance to to do that again, would you be up for doing something like that again versus Mike Tyson? It's possible. Anything possible. And uh, just to close it out, um, what, what, what would be your, your final message to your fans and, and your supporters? My final message would be thank you all for watching me over the years. Thank you for all the support y'all gave me. I uh, hope I entertain y'all to the best of my ability. I gave it all for y'all. I didn't give it all just to put money in my pocket. I gave it all to entertain y'all and to give y'all somebody to look at and say that's the best. And I appreciate y'all for remembering me. And now to show me that y'all remember me, I'll try to go out and buy that new single called Y'all Must Have Forgot Part 2 on any of your music digital platforms. Go download Y'all Must Have Forgot Part 2 right now. There you have it. Roy Jones, thank you so much for the time. Hope to see you call and fight soon. Hope to see you maybe in there again soon. Appreciate you, man. Thank you, my brother. Good to see you again, too. And that was the great Roy Jones Jr. Well, the man sitting right next to him in the broadcast booth ringside for Joshua Usyk was Todd Grisham. So here's my conversation with Todd Grisham. I am Karen Batia speaking with Todd Grisham. Todd, how are you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. It's about time, Dad Gummit. <laughs> Finally had you on. Now, I know that you were just overseas. You just came back. How are you feeling? How's the jet lag? <laughs> feeling good, man. You know, when I travel with, with WWE, I travel 51 weeks a year for eight straight years. So not that jet lag doesn't affect me. It does a little bit, but I, I'm pretty good at powering through it right now. 
And, and let me ask you this before we even get into the massive fight, because I want to talk to you about that. And, and you obviously had one of the best seats in the house um, for that. But you just said something that I thought was interesting. You have to balance everything else in life with the work. How do you balance being a family man and everything with, with what you do? Well, luckily, uh, my ex-wife is actually pretty cordial. So she's flexible with my travel plans. Uh, of course, it's financially beneficial that she's uh, helpful with my travel plans. But uh, I usually I do 50-50 with my children. So I get them half the time. She gets them half the time. So uh, the, the day she has them are usually days I'm traveling. And then when I'm home, I, uh, I have my daughters. So it's been working out pretty well. And they seem to be somewhat normal. So we'll see how <laughs> things pan out as the years go on. There you go. Somewhat normal is good. Um, okay, great. So I wanted to ask you about uh, this massive fight, of course, the heavyweight championships uh, changing hands. This is a big deal. Uh, so you were there in the the arena. I mean, it seemed as epic as could be. It was a packed house, which we haven't had in a long time. What did it feel like to be there? Electric atmosphere. Uh, WrestleMania-esque, as I would describe it. The pyrotechnics, the, the ring entrances. The mu- even the music between rounds. Uh, I don't know how that played on TV, but they were playing pretty popular songs and you had 65, 70,000 people singing along to all the hits. So it was just a constant buzz from right after the co-main event all the way till the end. It was, it was really, really special. And, and speaking of that, I mean, Usyk had a cool entrance, but AJ's entrances are just so, so, so epic with the fireworks and the AJ and fire and everything. I mean... I mean, to be there, it, what, what was that like to experience? A very, well, you know, I was there geez, almost three years to the day when he beat Povetkin at Wembley. So I was there for that one as well. So the interests were somewhat similar. So I kind of knew what to expect, but it's just, it's so cool. It's not like the fans are thinking, hurry and get to the ring so we can start this fight. Everyone just absorbed every moment, soaked it all in. And luckily for them, uh, they enjoyed their entrance because they sure didn't like it very well when he left the ring. Absolutely. And, and so, of course, I want to ask you about the fight. But before we even talk about First Bell, you were with these fighters, you know, during fight week, you see them at weigh-ins, at fighter meetings, things like that. Anything that you picked up maybe beforehand that let you know about the preparation of either Joshua or Usyk and you said, hmm, that, that's that's interesting? You know, I just, the, the, the quiet confidence of the whole Usyk camp, there was no like, well, we hope we could do it. It was like, oh, of course we're going to win. Like they they weren't concerned with Joshua that much. Usyk even afterwards was like, this wasn't even my toughest fight. So I like that, but you you know, you you see that all the time. Everyone kind of puts on that brave face, so to speak. So I didn't read too much into it, but AJ's just, uh, he is what he is. He's, he's a super relaxed, super nice, chill, happy guy. And I don't think he's going to change. So that's just the way he carries himself. And, and the, it's, it's interesting that Usyk wasn't, you know, this wasn't his toughest fight, but, you know, beating one of the heavyweight champions of the world, a three belt champion. So fight started. What was really interesting was Usyk, the smaller man, was closing distance. Um, as your broadcast partner, uh, who I just spoke to yesterday, pointed out, Usyk's feints were really setting up the left hand and he was landing um, and, and this was a beautiful fight in the center of the ring. I didn't see the ref except for one time, like in the ninth yeah. round. I didn't see the ref in there, which is amazing. What did you see? What did you see in the early rounds about the, the way the fight was developing? To me, it was interesting that Usyk, um, I thought he was going to be a little more amateur type style boxing, just point scoring, point scoring, constantly stick, 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 stick. But he was landing some power punches. Uh, the third round, he, he rocked Joshua pretty good. And I think after that moment in the back of Joshua's mind, maybe I'm completely wrong. But he's thinking, whoa, 
I don't want another Andy Ruiz part two. I don't know if I want to stand in there and go right after this Tiger. So I think AJ backed off a little bit and tried to turn it into a boxing match. And he had some success in the middle rounds. But in the end, you know, I don't think anyone in the world that, that knows anything about Joshua and Usyk would say that Joshua is a better boxer than Usyk. And one thing that, that, that you pointed out, you, you, you said AJ was, you know, smiling. He's a happy guy. When I talked to Roy Jones, he said, he, he said that Superman was Clark Kent for too long, speaking of AJ. And, and I'm just wondering, like, do you think, you know, AJ is such a friendly guy. He's always got that big smile. You, it's easy for us to play Monday morning quarterback here, but does he have to be meaner and like angrier in a way? I don't know. I mean, you can't be, you can't be what you're not. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, if, if all of a sudden Tim Tebow came out and started using cuss words, and I'm going to kill everybody. You'd be like, what, bro, come on. Same thing with AJ. Um, you know, you look back at some of the great heavyweight champions of all time. Lennox Lewis was a gentleman almost all the time. I mean, that's just the way it goes. There's some guys that are tigers and, and lions in there like Mike Tyson. And then there's other people that are the nicest guys in the world. Like my, my, my other guy that I called the fight with Darren Barker, former middleweight champion, He's the nicest guy in the world, man. He's or sitting there. I felt like I was having dinner at his, his family's house. Such a nice guy. And Roy Jones is great too. Uh, it's easy to say Joshua's should be meaner, but if he had gone in there and been mean and been over aggressive and got destroyed, we'd be saying, Hey, what is he doing? That's not him. Right. And it's easy, like I said, easy for us to say. I mean, he's he won three heavyweight championship titles, uh, beat every man he faced uh, up to this point, you know, obviously avenged the loss to Ruiz. So he was definitely doing something right uh, before this. Um, in the middle rounds, I mean, it's, it seemed like round four is when Joshua kind of found found the right hand. He, he was throwing the straight right hand and also having success with a little bit of like a looping right hand, kind of a round. Um, yeah. Did you feel, you know, we could hear it on your call, but just looking back now, I mean, did you feel the tide turning a little bit and you, and you said, oh, maybe, you know, AJ is going to get back in this thing? Yeah, for sure. I did. Uh, it looked like AJ was kind of starting to figure him out. And I think uh, Roy was pointing out that it looked like Usyk was getting a little tired, but I don't know if Usyk found a second wind or just made the adjustments. But after losing two out of three rounds or whatever it is, three out of four there in the middle, he got back on his horse. And I think it was AJ who was fatigued. And before the fight, AJ said, it's not about who's the better boxer. It's not who's stronger. It's who's in better condition. And I think we saw in the, in the 12th round who was in better condition. Absolutely. I mean, they were definitely both in really good condition, but the theory or the narrative that maybe Usyk can't keep up this pace the whole way, you know, was not, was not accurate. Cause he definitely did that. Um, before I ask you about that final round, I wanted to ask you just a little bit about your process calling a fight. I mean, you're so locked in there and, and, and I thought the, I thought the call was tremendous for this fight. Um, one thing I noticed is, uh, in the later rounds, you, you said, hey, on social media, a lot of people have it even. And I'm, I was like, wow, the awareness that you must have to be able yeah. to kind of, you know, look at, you know, I don't know if you're looking at Twitter or whatever, to see what's going on and see what people are thinking. I mean, that, that has to take a, a lot of concentration and awareness for me. Well, I just always remember back in the HBO days where I felt like Lampley and Max would kind of make up their mind who was winning. And Roy was kind of the outlier, but that would be it. And they never really heard from anyone else. So sometimes I'm thinking, you know, it feels to me like J Joshua's losing this fight. Roy seems to feel that way and Darren. But let's just make sure, you know, that we're not on some island here. And uh, it was kind of funny between rounds, you know, the Sky Sports team there led by Adam Smith. They were actually the main broadcaster. We were the secondary broadcaster. And between some of the rounds, uh, Adam Smith would take his headset off, look over at Roy and be like, well, how do you have it scored? And, and that, you know, so everyone was kind of like, you don't want to get this wrong. You don't want to say AJ's losing and people at home are like, are you, what are you guys watching? So I try and be a little bit aware of that. 
you know, when I feel like, hey, am I being too much of a homer? And someone said that they noticed I was getting, it seemed like I was getting more excited when Usyk was landing punches. And maybe I was, but I think I felt like I needed to do that because when subconsciously, because when AJ would land a punch, you have 65,000 people. <sighs> and when Usyk lands a punch, there's kind of no reaction. So I almost felt like I was like, hey, he's hitting him just as hard. You know, just because you're not hearing this, this scream, these are really landing. So maybe that was it. But it was, it was such a – I know when a fight's a really good fight when I don't have to look down at my notes, when I don't have to go, oh, let's see, what's a story I can tell or what's something I wanted to bring up. You know, I don't recall maybe looking down once or twice through, through the 45 minutes. And I thought that you got appropriately excited for the right things. I mean, if you think about it, Usyk, he's the smaller guy. He is the challenger. And when he's having success against the heavyweight champion, I mean, it is it is something that's crazy and exciting. And um, yeah. we've seen Joshua knock so many people out and have so much success. Um, Usyk obviously also has had a lot of success. Um, in terms of your style for calling a fight, you know, I've heard um, Michael Kay calls the Yankees. I've heard him say what he said, what he thinks about when he's doing play by play is like how he would uh, what he would be saying to his mom if she was watching. And I'm just curious, like if you have anything else that you, you know, something similar for your process, obviously you want to call the fight and call the action, which you did brilliantly. You also have these great boxing minds, Roy Jones and Darren Barker sitting next to you and you want to, you know, make room for their analysis. So what, what is your process? You know, when it's, when it's a three man booth, it's a little tougher because you have to, you have to consciously sometimes bring the guy in, especially someone like Roy, you look over and he's just kind of like, looking at the fight like this and you need to be like, Hey, what are you thinking? Or what are you seeing? Or what would you say to him? So, so I'm a little more conscious and I feel like I'm, I'm being more of a traffic cop trying to make these, both these guys work when it's a two man booth, especially someone I've worked with before, like Sergio, I don't even worry about it. I just feel like it kind of comes naturally. But w when I'm calling a fight, I, I just sense that man, even if it was in, like in the freaking dollar general parking lot, if I see two guys, punching each other. I mean, you watch the world star clips from back in the day. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. Whoa. That's kind of how I am. I mean, there's, you can hear people screaming in the top row of the, the stadium from, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, 800 feet away. And I'm literally three feet away. So I, I get just, I just get excited, man. I just kind of let it go. I just, you know, when someone gets punched in the face and blood shoots out of his mouth onto my papers, you know, I'm not like the English guys who are like, well, it looks like Anthony Joshua's in a bit of trouble here. You know, I'm like, oh, my God, he just landed a chair, you know. So I don't really I, I don't really have a what I need to do when I'm calling a fight. It just kind of usually happens naturally. Absolutely. And in the 12th round, it certainly did. And one of the things I remember you saying something to the effect of Joshua just got hurt and he doesn't have time to be hurt. And that really kind of encapsulated what was going on there uh, at the end, because you felt like if he, if he was going to do something special, that was, you know, that 11th and 12th round was going to be his opportunity. Yeah. Instead, Usyk did something special and he had one of his best rounds in the 12th round. And at the end, uh, Joshua on the ropes there, I mean, almost had him out. Uh, what do you make of that 12th round and the challenger, the smaller man, Usyk, doing what he did in that 12th round? Well, that, it was kind of like, you know, I was thinking like most probably by watching it at home, like, hey, Joshua may at least need a knockdown, if not a knockout here. So you're watching Joshua thinking, how's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? And then all of a sudden, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. The, the other guy might get it. The guy that doesn't need the KO might get the KO. And, and Usyk fought like he was behind on the cards that 12th round and he won the round pretty dominantly. So I think a certain point in that round, you could see Joshua almost like I've given it all I've got. Like with 20 seconds, 25 seconds, he was just like, God, man, I gave it my all and let's, let's hopefully get out of here. Cause you know, when he was leaning back against the ropes, there was no, there was no counter punches. There was, please God, don't, 
don't knock me out. There's only 10 seconds left. So it was just, uh, like I was kind of referencing about looking at my notes, there's a point where you just subconsciously aren't even, that's when you know it's a good fight too, when you're not thinking, thinking about what you're saying, like, all right, what do I want to say? You're just saying it. And that's kind of how it was at the end of that fight. And, and, but it was funny when I did, it's funny you brought that lineup because now that you said it, I was thinking about it. As soon as I said it, I was like, he doesn't have got, he didn't have time to, to be hurt. I was thinking, wasn't that predator where he's like, are you bleeding? And he goes, I ain't got time to bleed. <laughs> it's kind of the same thing. Like, wait, who cares about bleeding? It doesn't matter. I've got to kill this, this alien. Right. Absolutely. And that, and that Joshua, you know, that had to be his mindset there in the, in the last round. So Usyk got the huge win. Um, you spent time with him and, and you said, you know, he was confident uh, and we know that he likes to joke around and things like that, but we saw like pure emotion as, as he was announced the winner. I mean, I, you know, genuine tears coming down. He said, it, I think he said it was his 12th uh, year uh, wedding anniversary. And this was twice as important and, you know, for him, which makes sense because now he's the heavyweight champion of the world. I mean, what did you think about the emotion you saw there from Usyk? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, everyone handles it a little differently. It was probably more relief than anything. I mean, you think of all the, the work he had to put into putting out all that extra weight and, and doing all the things he had to do to, to get to this moment, much less win it in London, in the guy's hometown. And he, you know, he just, we'd all handle it differently, but that was, it was a great reaction. I try not to overtalk it, you know, um, let the, let Michael Buffer say his thing, watch the emotion. Um, it was, it was a special moment and uh, looks like they're going to do it again. And, and speaking of that, doing it again, I mean, do you think Anthony Joshua should take an immediate rematch? I, I you know, I was watching the, the Muhammad Ali documentary just last night, and I was, I was thinking, man, imagine if they did, it's so hard nowadays, but Eddie Hearns even said, these guys have to be more active. I mean, Joshua's fought like one, once in a 18 months, twice in two years. Why not do a road back to the title where, where we get to set dates where he says, hey, January 15th, March 29th, August 1st, and December, whatever, Anthony Joshua is fighting in these stadiums, opponents to be named later. And the first one is like the ninth-ranked guy. It's Otto Wallen. The next one's Dillian. You know what I mean? Get his confidence back. If you need to turn him into a killer, turn him into a killer that way. Don't try and turn him into a killer in, in eight months when they, when they have the rematch. That's what I would do. Get him back. Get some confidence. He's still the biggest draw on the game. No one else can be able to pack stadiums like that. So get the buzz back because, you know, he, need, he needs – he needs that killer instinct, like you said, not just to get mad, but to change his to change his style a little bit. I mean, remember what he did to, to Dillian White, busted him on the bottom rope, and the way he he knocked down, knocked out Klitschko, and what he did. I mean, he's got that in him. But with Usyk, I think he tried to be a little too clever. And in the build up to the to the fight, uh, AJ, he always likes to say, "I can't wait to show you what I've learned." You know, I can't wait to show you how much better I've gotten. The things I've been working on. Instead of, I can't wait to blast this guy out of there. I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I hit harder. You don't hear him talking like that. And a lot of that, it may be on his corner. You know, uh, they weren't too, in fact, there, there was no real emotion at all. There, any sign of desperation. I said this on an interview I did the other day, like you almost need a Teddy Atlas type guy in there to go like, what are you doing? Go get him. Right. It's not working. We're not out boxing. This, you need someone to say whole, you're, you're blowing up. it, son. You're blowing yeah, it. You need blowing. one of those. You know, DAZN kind of has the theme for every fight, you know, uh, whatever the theme is. And for this one, it was, it's, it's the world heavyweight champion, the big powerful Adonis guy versus the thinking man, the chess player, and, you know, the, the cerebral assassin, the, like Triple H. So that was the whole game. Like, this guy's going to try and outbox you and outthink you and do angles. And AJ almost was like, oh, yeah, well, watch what I do. And it didn't work out. 
didn't work out. And so it sounds like what you're saying is if, uh, you know, Joshua doesn't change things in his corner um, and jumps into an immediate rematch, doesn't kind of do a road back. It sounds like for an immediate rematch, you would be favoring Usyk in that. Yeah. I don't know too many people that wouldn't, but let, let's, for all those people who are like flushing AJ down the toilet, it wasn't even, it was a great fight. It was 115, 113, 116, 112, two rounds either way. And, and he's the winner. So let's not act like it was a whitewash. I mean, a few tweaks. He could win the rematch fight in that way, but he's got to land. I mean, I, I remember two or three times where, where Joshua was stunned and in trouble. I don't recall one. I remember Usa getting clipped a few times, but I don't remember one time where I was thinking he was going to get knocked down. So AJ has got to have one of those moments early in the fight, I think, where Usyk goes, wait a minute, I've got to be extra careful this time. Absolutely. When, when uh, Joshua lost to Ruiz, he went into the Fortress of Solitude and really just focused on training. He, I don't even think he got a haircut before the fight because he was so focused on the rematch. And so maybe yeah. he needs to go do something like that and, and, and kind of change things up. But isn't it funny? Like after that fight, what did we say? You can't be a monster. You got you to box. You got to stay on the outside and be smart, right? And now we're saying, no, don't stay on the outside and be smart. Don't box. You go kill him. Right. It's, it's, I guess he's got to really make those, have both in uh, both of those in his arsenal, depending on who he's fighting. Um, I know you got to run. So I'm just gonna ask you a couple more questions. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Now you had this great announcing team of yourself, Roy Jones and Darren Barker. Who would you rather have next to you? Roy Jones and Darren Barker or Sergio Mora and Chris Mannix? Let me put it to you this way. Forget Chris Mannix, whatever. I mean, he, he's, he's miserable whether he's working with me or not. So I'm not worried about Chris. If I say that I don't want Sergio Mora to be my partner, he's from East LA, he'll have, me, he'll have my throat cut, all right? He'll have, me, he'll have me castrated and my throat is cut. So I have to say Sergio Mora, but he is my, one of my best friends. He's so easy to work with. He's so much fun. He's so knowledgeable. He's great at breaking down fights. Not to say that Roy Jones is. I mean, Roy, Roy Jones told me I'm only doing the biggest fights. That's all. I'm at this stage of my life. I'm only doing one or two fights a year. So, uh, but you know, Sergio's my guy and he'll be back with me uh, in Fresno for the Mikey Garcia fight uh, in October. And, and that leads me to my last question. Cause I know you got to run um, the upcoming, the zone schedule. There's a few fights on there. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? What, what, what fight uh, really has your attention of, of, you know, something that you'll be calling. What, what are you excited about? Well, the, the, the ones that are locked in, I would have to say um, Mungia versus Rosado. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but the rumored Ryan Garcia, Jojo Diaz fight would also be something I'd, I'd really get excited about. But, uh, you know, Matchroom hasn't finished their schedule yet. Who knows what else is going to pop up coming down the line. But, you know, Mikey Garcia on October 16th, I think. And then in November, we got that Rosado fight. And there's so many DAZN fights over in England. I mean, every week they've got, uh, you know, pretty good fight. They've got Liam Smith, I think, fighting Fowler coming up. So it's, it's a packed schedule. But as far as the ones I'm calling... I'm really circling the uh, Rosado versus Mungia fight. Todd Grisham, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it. Looking forward to seeing you on the call again. And uh, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, brother. Keep up the good work. And that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you to my guests. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia at, on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. 
uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's asktheexpertspod at gmail.com. I am Karan Bhatia, and this was Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Karan Bhatia.